1: We face a lot of things in life that really tries our patience and today i'm going to speak a little bit about that But I want to give it to you from a biblical point of view I also want you to make sure that you understand this in context while I am talking about challenges that you and I will face It's nothing compared to the people who received this letter from james These were people that probably weren't facing long lines in traffic long lines at the doctor's office A wait at the bank standing in line over at the supermarket They didn't have to have all that kind of stuff that requires patience out of us. For them, their patience was, when will this suffering, when will this affliction, when will all of this oppression end in our life? Because we've chosen to take a stand that's a biblical worldview that's actually opposite of the secular worldview. And it's all like all hell has come down on us. And so James is saying, in the midst of that kind of suffering, and that kind of affliction, that's when you need to be patient. So we're really good right now. We don't have people coming down on us. I know the government is doing some weird things and we might feel that and I'm not here to talk about politics, but you know what I'm saying. But at the same time, God has the same answer, whether it's all the world coming against us or maybe just life it just comes at us every moment of every day life hits us and i would like us to know that as christians that just as strong as we want to know that our missionaries are taking a stand and our brothers and sisters two thousand years ago have taken a stand that we would take the same stand no matter what affliction or whatever trial that we go through that we can embrace it with patience perseverance and a great deal of joy at the same time So this message, if it worked for the people in the Bible days, it really can work for us because our afflictions really aren't quite like that. You know, if you really look at your life, if you really look at it, you're going to find that we wait for a lot of things. And you can go through a list on the way home with your family, talk about all the things that you have to wait for, even a red light or a stop sign or something. But I can remember as a child, I didn't like to wait. I couldn't wait till I got in school. And then after I got in school, I couldn't wait for summer to begin. Do you remember that? I can remember that when I was a teenager, I couldn't wait wait to drive. And then when I met Carolyn, we knew that this was the right thing for us to get married. We couldn't wait to get married. So we were so excited about those kinds of things. So we wait for a lot of things in our life. But I wonder if we do it with the same joy and intensity that God wants us to have. And maybe that's the same way with you. So what I'm going to do is take us through a passage of scripture and we're going to let the Lord... Holy Spirit use the word to speak to us. And we're going to look at three areas about patience. Well, let's begin by talking about when should we be patient. Well, we think we should be patient all the time, but there's a special dose of times that we need to be patient. And I think we all can identify with this because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through his word. So here's the first one. When should I be patient? I should be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. Now in the next few verses on these three points, we're going to look at three illustrations that are given to us. One is going to be a farmer. The second is going to be a prophet or prophets and the other is going to be Job. Let me read to you the Bible verse. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and later rain. You know, most of our life is really out of our control, is it not? But I think nothing is more out of control that a person can't control is in the farming industry. And so, these farmers today, wherever they might be, they have to really rely upon stuff that they cannot control. Oh, they might be able to control the putting of the seed or the plant into the soil, But they can't control the heat or how much water or sunshine or even sometimes the blight that might come onto their plants. They can't even predict labor and even the market and how to get it to market and the cost of doing business. There's a lot out there that they cannot control in their life. And so I tell you, if you're looking to have patience, one... Probably a career you don't want to have is to be a farmer because of how difficult that, that might be. Because of things that are totally out of our control. And that's going to happen to every single one of us. So maybe right now you're in a situation where something is uncontrollable in your life. You wish you could control it but you can't. And when we get into those situations, aren't they difficult? We often will have a blocked goal. So when we want to control it and we can't, two things happen. We either try to manipulate the situation or we try to intimidate the situation. To get control of this. But there are things in our life that we can't control. That's why when the phrase says, until the coming of the Lord. Because see, the Lord is in control of everything. A God who has your best interest in mind in bringing you into the most wonderful intimate relationship with the only God has you in mind. And he's controlling and allowing things to happen in your life. And so he says, be patient because I am working in your life and I want you to have a relationship with me not because I need it, he says, but because you need it and it's very special. And so again, because there are situations in our life that we cannot control. The second, we are to be patient when people are unchangeable. This is a very important part of the passage because it talks about prophets. Look at it if you will. It says my brethren, take the prophets. Did you notice how that in the first point and this point it talked about the word brethren? That's kind of a special little word indicating that he is speaking to those who know Christ as their Savior. Now it's good that everyone has patience, but it's a especially doable for those who know Christ as their personal Savior, as brethren. So he's speaking to us, and he says, now take the prophets, in other words, look back at the prophets, who spoke the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. So let's do that for a moment in our mind. Let's go back. What's the purpose of a prophet in the Bible? Purpose of a prophet is to speak about God to the people, to help those people change their thinking and their life to focus on god and that was their whole purpose and that was to get people to change in some measure now if you went back and took the time to do a study of the various prophets in the bible you're going to find that those prophets most of them went through the most horrific life while they were speaking for god to people who did not want to change now i'm so glad that the lord wisely had us look back at prophet as our example Here's what they were doing. These prophets cared enough about God and the people to be right with God that they were willing to take a public stand for what they believed. That's good. That's what a Christian should do. And then when they did that, they loved the people because they wanted the people to be in a right relationship with God as well. And that's what we should do. But at the same time, how many of those people really changed? Now that tells me, and now let's bring it to today. That as a parent, I might dearly love my children, and I love the Lord so much, and I want my children to know my God, and I want them to know him in such a way, and I want to guide their life because I know that if they do not follow the Lord, that they will have consequences. But if they choose to embrace the Lord, that they could have some benefits to get them through this life, it would be a lot better. Might not change the circumstances, but will give them a sense of well-being that only God can give them. So as a parent, you now decide to live the life, and you decide to talk about God like a prophet, not a bony finger of wrath at your kids but at the same time lovingly but yet confidently explaining god to your children and you find that as they grow up they too become more unchangeable how many of you are in a marriage right now that you really love the lord with all your heart but you see your mate is just not listening is not getting the memo from god or the pastor or a christian friend or or from you maybe and you're really struggling with that so what do you do then? Do you intimidate that person? Manipulate that person? Do you begin to lose your own intimacy with God in your desire to get them intimate with God? Well, you know the answers to all of that and you might be struggling with it. Well, God gives us the answer. He says right in this passage, that's when you need to have patience. The problem is some personalities can find it easier to act Patiently, You know, that's called sin management. In other words, you can bite the bullet, stuff it inside of you. Well, the preacher says, I need to be patient, so I'm going to be patient, you know? Well, that's really not authentic patience. That's just sin management. There are others that are not patient. They just keep hammering and hammering until they finally take control of people. And then they think that they have patience because they stayed with that so long until they beat the other person down. And that's not what he's talking about either. True patience is not something that a personality trait necessarily will have. It's going to come from the patience of God. Now, park on that. God is intimately and eternally patient. Yes, there are things we have to act quickly. There are times that we wait. But God is the master. And so if you want to see patience, it is found in the character and the person of God. Now when it says brethren, we now who know Christ, we have a connectivity to God. And that divine nature is inside of me. So while I cannot change people, I can still be patient. Not just act patiently, but I can be patient. Because watch this. Nobody wants that person, that loved one, to change more than God. And nobody will be more patient with that person and will nudge that person at the appropriate time than God. So as I allow God to take over my life and let His Spirit influence me, then it's Him having patience with that other person. You know what's interesting about that word patient there? It actually comes from two Greek words that are brought together. One word is the word macro, which means long, and the other word is the word thumos. We get our word heat, so it means to, like we get our word thermometer from that actually, but you put those two together, it's like long heat. In other words, you have a, a long fuse, not a short fuse with people. You are patient. You're allowing God to have his way in that person's life, and you want to be an instrument remaining in that person's life, perhaps for a long time, so that maybe they might change. So who Who in your life right now that you've been trying to change control and is actually doing more damage It maybe be good for you to just for now back off a little bit. Allow God to work through you in a spirit of grace, mercy, tenderness, forgiveness, kindness. You haven't compromised. You're not condoning where they are, but you're changing your approach to become a little bit more godly. When do you need patience? Especially when people are unchangeable. The third time we need patience is when problems are unexplainable. So we saw the farmer. You can't control that. You... People are unchangeable, so what about the unexplainable? Look at verse 11, the first part of it. Would you look at it with me? So now he talks about Job. He says, You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. When I look at Job, I look at a perfect example of someone who was a champion of the World Series of Suffering or who won the Super Bowl of Affliction. Now, those of you who are beginning your journey in the Bible, you might not have read the book of Job yet. You might want to at least read the first few chapters and then Read the end of the book. Here's what you'll read in the first beginning of the book. You're going to learn how that Job was a righteous man, loved his family, sacrificed spiritually even for his family, particularly his kid. The Lord permitted Satan to bring affliction to Job. Part of the testing was to see if Job would remain faithful in God. At the same time, that faithfulness depending on God brings out and breeds patience. So how did he do that? Satan came along, first thing he took away from Job was his wealth. Now think about that for a moment. Now he took away his wealth, that would be all the things that he owned, all of the property, all the resources, doesn't matter how much it is right now, but for you, I want you to know that he lost it all. But tied to his wealth was something that was very near and dear to his life, and that would be his children. He lost his children. Now for a Whatever affliction you're going through right now, you still have a degree of resources, and I'm sure you still have some of your family. Now, he lost all of that. Well, then Satan thought, I know what I'm going to do. He won't curse God when I take away his wealth and his family, but every man will eventually curse God when God takes away their health. So God permitted Job to lose his health through Satan, but he said, Satan, you can't kill him. So what Satan did was to leave Job this broken mass of humanity that was in a pile of of cinder, scraping off the boils and the skin that was dead on his body with a broken piece of pottery, pain from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Now I look at you right now, and I'm sure that some of you probably have an ache or a pain here or there. Some of you might even be wrestling with cancer in a certain situation in your process. And I want you to know I really do love you. And I don't want to minimize anything you're going through. But I think if you're a reasonable person, you'd say that it's still not as bad as what I described Job to be, what the Bible says. So Job is a perfect example for us who lost his wealth and his health. Now that's really anti-prosperity gospel. And what happened to him? There was a tremendous amount of patience as he endured it all. Now he did kind of stumble because he broke some of the rules we're going to talk about in a moment. But he still went through this. The neat part about this part is that even when those problems that he had were unexplainable, at that moment Job said, I don't know what the end is going to look at this time. In fact, I'd like to die, but I'm not going to curse God like his wife wanted him to do so he would die He went through this for a long period of time. Now, we who have gone through the book, the second time you go through the book of Job, you read about all this horrible stuff, you read about his miserable counselors and friends that gave him bad advice, and then you finally get to the end of the book where God says, okay, Job, now it's time for me to double your wealth, double your family, give you your health back, and bless you. Now, if you were Job, you didn't get the end of the book. You just were going through this like a person reading through it the first time thinking, my goodness, this is horrible. And I'm only saying that for this. I don't know what you're going through on your job with your boss. I don't know what you're going through maybe oppressed by family members who are pushing you under something. I don't know what it's like in your marriage. I don't know what it's like to have your parents or your kids. But I do know this, that even though it's unexplainable that God still says that we as a believer in Christ need to demonstrate patience because it's unexplainable now. But in God's timing, in God's way, that truth and that reason will be revealed as much as he chooses to have you to know so when should we be patient in uncontrollable situations like a farmer in unchangeable situations with people like the prophets were and perhaps in an unexplainable way where you can't explain why you're going through this right now you did everything right you love the lord but why do you have this problem here i don't know but i know god and my god is loving he's wise and he has the right to be in control and that's why Job still said though you slay me yet will I trust in you. Now all the preaching in the world can't give you trust but you and God can get it together and you can have that. Okay, so we talked a little bit about when to be patient. Now, why do we need to be patient? Let's open this up a little bit further. We'll go back over some of these verses and pick out some other points. Why should I be patient? Some of you are saying, why should I be patient? Doesn't God want me to get things done, etc.? Why should I be patient? Well, before I um, jump into the first one here, I'd like to speak to the leaders that are here and to those of you that have been um, given by God a little bit more of a dominant personality. We types, and I'm speaking to the few of us that are like me, we have trouble with being patient. I mean, we struggle with this. It doesn't mean that we like being impatient. It doesn't mean we like to be in control and dominate and manipulate and intimidate. It just means sometimes the way we're wired is we want to move people from here to there. Good people to go to a good place And a good reason to get there and a good way to get there. The problem is sometimes in our desire to do all of this, something else snaps. And what snaps inside of us is perhaps we're not partnering with God. We're not doing for the glory of God. We forget about people. We try to do it ourselves. A little bit of pride could come in. A little bit of excitement because we're in control. And all of a sudden, we've got a freight train heading for a wreck in leadership. And so for those of you who are leaders for just a moment, I know when you hear the word patient, you think if I'm patient, it's like I am going to go to sleep at the switch of this freight train. I know you might feel that way. How do I know you might feel that way? I wonder, because I feel that way too sometimes. And I have to realize that at that time that I am given by God a juncture in my life to decide how much is of me and how much is of him. And there's two dangerous parts of that. When I take all of it for me, or if I think I am to partner with God, so, yeah, God, yeah, me, there are times that I have to say, Lord, it is all of you. And so to that group of people that I'm speaking here today, I'm asking you just to step into the world of uncomfortableness for a moment and to realize that it is okay to be patient. You are not asleep at the switch of your leadership position. Sometimes it's the very best thing you can do in helping your family, your friends, and those people you influence to maybe fail a little bit, to maybe learn, for you now to be given an opportunity to love him and show grace and not to gloat. All right, so why be patient? Say, you know what, I want God's patience, all right? Why should I be patient? Number one, because God is in control. I've said that over and over and you hear that a lot from the pulpit. that I really believe in a very strong, sovereign God, that not only is he in control, we, we, we hear that a lot, but I don't think we hear this enough, and that is that not only is he in control, he has the right to be in control. Sometimes that's the hardest. You see, he has the right to be in control. So because he's in control, let's go back to the passage at verse 8. It says, you also be patient. So he's basically saying, just like James, just like uh, Farmer, just like Job, all these people he's going to be illustrating right here, he says, you also be patient. Now, if you will, before I go much further, whatever God wants us to do, he gives us the ability to do it. So God's commands come with God's enablement. And I like to say this, that when God asks us to do something, he gives us more ability to do what he's asked us to do than what we really need. In other words, if I had a fire here on a match, God will not give us a little squirt gun to put it out. If I had a fire in the match here, if God wants that match out by us, then he will give us far more than we need to get that job done. And so again, when it says here, you be patient, it's not about you act patiently necessarily as it is saying, you be patient. So that means draw from him his patience so that you can display that to others and be patient. So that becomes a lifestyle character trait in you and me. All right, now go on. It says, establish your heart. The word establish means strengthen your heart. A lot of times when we're impatient is because we're trying to solve a problem because we're afraid we don't know what's going to happen and we won't be able to figure it out and we're all out of control ourselves and we just want to bring peace and calm. And God says, no, establish your heart. Strengthen your heart right now. And you strengthen your heart like David did in the Old Testament when he was facing a world of hurt. When he strengthened his heart in the Lord, here's what he did. He looked back over how great God is that God is in control, and God can do whatever He wants whenever He wants, and at the end of all of this, I might be able to see what 's going to happen, so he then strengthened his heart in God, and he gave God the right to be God. Now this is all great stuff. this has got to work when you 've done everything you could for your kids, and then you find out that they've done something to their body or they've done something to somebody else's body you got to do all of this, not just now, but when you find out that your mate has been having an affair. You gotta do this when just have the daily things of life standing in line. So establish your heart in God. That's why we talk about a moment by moment time with the Lord, but also a quiet time in the morning. And then it says, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Would you underline that phrase, the coming of the Lord is at hand? In this passage, James talks about patience and perseverance six times in six verses, but three times in six verses, he refers back to the coming of the Lord and the Lord's coming is near. So what he's doing in the midst of the patience is this, hey, whoa, 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 whoa!" he says, wait, God is in control and Jesus is going to come again. And there's a lot of reasons when he comes again. Obviously it be coming to set up his kingdom eventually we also know that when he comes he's going to take us to be with him so there's going to be a judgment seat up there where we will be rewarded when we did what was right and so he says wait the lord is coming he'll set things right basically i'll say this When he says the Lord is coming, he's saying, don't live just for right now. It's not all about you. There's bigger things going on. The Lord is coming. So God is in control of this thing. And how wonderful this is to just know that. Philip's translation sets it this way. He says, resting your hearts on the ultimate circumstances. There is no problem you have that's bigger than God. Do you believe that? If your problem is bigger than God, it's because your perspective is wrong. You need to get a bigger God. If your problem is so big to you, it's because you became your God. And therefore now this problem is so big. But when you realize that God is bigger than your problem, you're okay. Now it's all a matter of perspective. So what you want to do is you want to look at your problem through the eyes of God. God is in control. I want you to know this is all God's word. You can open this Bible right here with a lengthy bit of undistracted time where you fully focus. You start reading in here. It is so spiritual that there will be something that will happen that I can't even explain with the Word and God and you, there will be a settling in your spirit. That's the confidence I have in God and I know it for two reasons, one, because it says so in the Bible, second, I did what it said in the Bible and I had that settling where I wasn't so racing and upset at block goals, there was a patience there. All right, number two, why should I be patient, because God rewards patience. It says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. Now, blessed could be the word happy or joyful or a sense of well-being. It could add to that some tangible blessings, maybe here on this earth, and who could quantify all of that? For sure, there's going to be some blessings in heaven, so you will be happy. But there are lots of benefits to a person who's patient. I'm going to show you a verse in a moment that you'll be rewarded. That's a promise of God. God will, in a sense, watch this, pay you for being patient. You'll be honored by others. Would you do, with me, do this with me for just a moment? Do you have anybody in your sphere of influence of friends, now or in the past, who went through a degree of, of challenges of life that were just more frequent and bigger to a person who really was a pretty good person? And yet, as you looked at them, they seem to go through that with a sense of, you know what, God's will be done. Do any of you have anybody like that in your life that was like that? Would you raise your hand? Does anybody have anybody like that? Okay. I believe that. I do too. Now that being said, you look at that person and you'll say, my, they have the patience of, fill in the blank, Job. All right. And we look at that person and say, my, I wish I had that patience. Now I'm saying all that to say this part. There could be people out there that are looking at you, particularly your kids, particularly a less spiritual mate at you to be the person that exhibits the patience of Job. And when you do, your reward will be a sense of, you know what? My life counted in that other person's life, even if all I was was patient around them in the midst of my own trials. But look, if you will, in Matthew 5, 13, and 14, because God says, I will reward you in the future, because there'll be some of you that'll be incredibly patient, and you still will not get to the head of the class. You will still not get the promotion nor the bonus. You will still be in the wrong line at the grocery store, if you know what I mean, no matter how patient you might be. But here's what God says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So the secular worldview comes against the Christian worldview. Then he says, rejoice and be glad because, here it is, great is your reward, and I'll underline this, in heaven. And you can read the rest of the verse there. So the point is you might not get it here, but you will get it there because God keeps the books. Now there's always a natural tendency That when something does go against you and you're not getting what you want, you get hurt. Especially when someone else comes against you and you're told to be patient and to endure them with patience in that um, unrighteousness that's done to you. It's normal to hurt. And when you hurt, what do you do? You get angry. You want to get even. You want to criticize. You want to fight back. If that's your nature, would you say, "Uh uh-huh, with me? Uh Uh-huh. All right. The two of you that are honest admit that. (laughs) Now listen carefully to this. When I become that way, based on what we've just learned, I've lost a degree of a reward in heaven when I wasn't patient during that particular time. Now that being the case, ask yourself this question. Is me getting upset because this came against me and I'm not patient, is that worth losing a reward that I could have gotten in heaven? Put the two together here. And then you do the math. It works for all of us. So it's not really worth giving up a reward in heaven, no matter what that person does, because my rewards in heaven are given to me special by God and for his benefit and glory later.